0: Hi, folks, and welcome back to the Cyclocross Magazine podcast. My name is Zach Schuster, and my guest today is Kristen Legan. I first met Kristen last year at the Almanzo 100 in Minnesota, where we obviously talked a lot about gravel. When I learned that Kristen and her partner Nick run a gravel coaching company, I had a lot of questions. Since I had a lot of questions uh, about gravel coaching and what involves, I figured some readers might as well when kristen Legan is not busy coaching she spends some of her time trying things out as a gravel and cyclocross racer herself at louisville nationals we saw her as one of the glamorous ladies of single speed and this june she'll be making her second try at the 350 mile dkxl uh, during the dirty kansas weekend hope you enjoy my chat with kristen about gravel and gravel coaching and hopefully we can all learn a trick or two uh, from hearing what she has to say Kristen Ligon is my guest here today on the Cyclocross Magazine podcast. Kristen, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, You betcha. Um, We saw we recently uh, did a profile of your bike, and I know uh, that was from a bit ago, but after a full season of doing the Cyclocross and Gravel crossover, were you happy uh, with how your Firefly uh, turned out?
1: Yeah, no, my Firefly, I actually have two of them now. So I have my A bike and my B bike for cross season. And um, they've been just fantastic from everything from racing DKXL to going and uh, flying to Europe, to China and doing some of those uh, cyclocross, UCI cyclocross races. Um, so across the board, just been blown away by the whole process and by the bikes.
0: Yeah. so I thought that was kind of an uh, an interesting approach that you took because I think we're seeing more athletes you know like last year I interviewed Michael Vandenham and in my interview he's like oh cross bike it's great for gravel and then like literally a week later he had a loft true grit uh, right yeah, were you you know what was your thought be, thought process behind kind of doing that crossover approach and uh, doing it that way
1: yeah no I mean I actually love the idea of having fewer bikes um, I was a journalist as uh, at velo news for a couple of years doing a bunch of tech reviews and I was jumping from bike to bike every single week. Um, and it, you know, it's just how so hard to replicate the position that you want and it, you know, you're riding different crank links, all of this kind of stuff. So when I moved away from Bella News, and, you know, was able to bring on my own bikes, um, something that I really wanted to do was just have some bikes that I could just have set up ready to go and just be able to ride basically anything that I wanted to, to go out the door and ride. Um, and not have to, you know, be swapping bikes or, you know, changing tires a whole time. So that was kind of the big, um, impetus for, for trying to do that whole gravel cross, uh, crossover.
0: Yeah. I like that. The our cyclo gravel. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but I kind of like, it. I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do too. I think we're going to go with it.
0: Okay, great. I, I don't even, I wasn't even trying to coin a term and I used it jokingly and I'm like, I'll use it in the title of this one and see how it goes. Yeah. So.
1: It actually works pretty well.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, you cover, I think, our two things, right? We do cross for six months out of the year and we do gravel. Um, But I was reading your website and you you started as a triathlete. Is that correct?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did.
0: So I grew up swimming and and went to college, swam division one out
1: at University of Pacific in California. And then, um, you know, when I moved back to Boulder, it's kind of the hotbed of, of triathlon. And so it just kind of sucked me in with my swimming background. And um, got into it for five years, raced professionally for about five years and, um, realized that I'm a terrible runner and <laughs> I just did not enjoy training, running. I was, you know, I was slow and I just loved riding my bike. So, um, one summer I was out on a long bike ride and I was like, why don't I just race bikes? Like, I don't, I don't need to do triathlon anymore. So it was a great, you know, epiphany out on the bike. Um, and that just transitioned then into to racing bikes.
0: So how did Louisville go for you? Because you raced on the two worst days. I remember there was a lot of running.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that running background didn't come into too much help there. <laughs> Got out of triathlon to, for the running. But um, no, uh, Louisville, Louisville went um, went pretty well. I was kind of hitting a low point in my season, just kind of hitting that burnout point. Um, and it had been just a really long season all the way from gravel season into cross and um, with work, I had a bit of a manic, uh, fall. So I was on the road almost the whole fall. Um, so I was, you know, I was really excited to be there. I was actually really excited for the mud because who doesn't love mud cross races? Um, and, and they went pretty well. I think I was four or fifth or sixth in the single speed race. And then, um, I don't know, 20, 20th or something. Um, in the, uh, the open race. So they went pretty well. They weren't like the results I was really hoping for, but I was just happy to get out there and get to race on that course.
0: But you look good though, right? Especially in that yeah. <laughs> single speed race. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, my friend Liz Barczyk, um whose uh, husband is Aaron Barcheck of Mosaic Cycles, um, another good frame building uh, friend. Um, Liz and I were just sitting around this fall. I think we were out in Moab. For a mountain bike uh, weekend, and we were just like, we need to, you know, do something fun for for single speed this season. And um, I don't know if you've seen the the Netflix show Gl- uh, Glow with the lady wrestlers from the '80s. I've heard um,
0: of it. I've heard of it. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's it's incredible. Their costumes are just phenomenal. The the show is hilarious. And so we were like, we should just dress up as Glow characters. So um, so we ended up just, you know, dressing up in Gold spandex and got Meredith Miller involved and Sarah Sturm and so it was great to just kind of get some of the especially some of the fast ladies to to join in and not, you know single speed's not about taking yourself too seriously so having some some gold spandex tights on really helps uh, push you towards that fun side. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know, like, there were some people that were commenting, uh, you know, there's always people on the internet, but saying, you know, like, the single speed is a waste, we shouldn't have it at nationals, people don't take it seriously. And it's like, you just see, like, the spirit and how much fun it was right. to close out that Saturday. I don't know. I loved it. I think it's cool <laughs> that, like, Sarah could wear her single speed corset, still win the race. Yeah. But have fun with it
1: exactly you don't have to take it that seriously but i mean that you have these rippers that come in and they're just you know they're taking it just as seriously but they can dress up as you say you know it doesn't mean that you're not you know out there to 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 win
0: yeah so uh i think one of the big reasons that i wanted to chat with you we were uh chatting at almanzo last year which was super fun um but you are gravel coach is that that's correct
1: (laughs) yeah exactly so i'm I started uh, coaching, I don't know, probably like 10 or 15 years ago um, at this point. Well, probably not 15, about 10 years ago. And I've um, started a coaching company, Rambler Rising. My husband, Nick, who's also a gravel racer, and um, he's a huge tech guy as well. Um, we started a, a coaching company just to kind of focus on that endurance riding. So he, my Nick is um, into bikepacking. He's done Tour Divide. All that kind of stuff. So our, you know, we, when we started this company, we wanted to focus on those people doing these wacky, crazy events like we do, um, since we have some experience actually getting out there and doing them.
0: Yeah. So I think uh, Nick was on the podcast last year. So maybe to be a competition, uh, you know, between the two of you, uh, to see who, <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs> who tunes in more, yeah. who gets more likes right. on Facebook. I, I don't know if, how if yeah, that's exactly. how your relationship works, but uh, <laughs> please don't call me if no. I start a fight between <laughs> you two. <laughs>
1: It's it's how it's how our relationship works, but it's usually just me being like, come on, like let's come, let's race, let's do this, and Nick's just like shaking his head, just like no, nope, no, nope, not into <laughs> it. So yeah. Um,
0: so you know, I, I, with gravel, right? Like people like to joke and stuff. Do you ever get a hard time uh, from people when you say that you know you focus specifically on gravel coaching?
1: No, um, we've had a great response with it. You know, I think some people are kind of like, really, is there enough people to really focus just on coaching them. And, um, and I think you'd be surprised just how many people are, you know, jumping into events very, you know, especially with these longer things, you really need to have some focused training or just at least somebody to bounce ideas off of, make sure you're not, you know, just burying yourself with workouts or make sure you're actually doing enough work to get through some of these rides. So, um, so no, I think everybody's, you know, a lot of people are really excited about this and, um, yeah, we're excited to, to keep diving in and, and exploring new events and, and how to coach those events um, to the best of, you know, everybody's ability.
0: Nick said you kind of have a, a two pronged approach. Uh, I remember him saying that you focus more on the uh, training side of it, the the science side, and he kind of does the nuts and bolts of it. Is that correct? And still is that how you still approach it?
1: Yeah. So he's taken on a few more uh People that he's coaching specifically, um, you know, the day to day workouts, um, we kind of d- work on those together, we build out annual training plans together. And then he just has some athletes that he's uh, recently started working with. Um, but, yeah, I for the most part, I run the kind of physiological side of the coaching, creating workouts and plans and um, race schedules. And then Nick is, you know, he's a huge uh, bike nerd and, and gear nerd. So he'll spend some time with all of our athletes across the board and just talk about, you know, like what bikes they're riding, what kind of tires they should be running for each event, you know, talking about pressures and gearing and all of that good stuff, how to set up your, you know, your, your checkpoint stations and what kind of you know, food and gear you'll need at those. So we kind of try and take it as kind of a holistic coaching. So it's not just focusing on one aspect of your preparation. It's just making sure from start to finish you're prepared and, and you know, you know what you need to do when you get to that race
0: people that approach you, uh, interested in coaching. Is it, do you get a mix? Is it a lot of like newcomers who are curious about, you know, what they need to do? Is it people looking for performance? What's kind of the mix of, of folks who are interested in, in working with you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a full range. We have, uh, you know, some about half, I'd say half and half in terms of like people who their first and first goal or their only goal is to finish DK 200, you know, like they just want to make it to every single checkpoint under the time limit and and get across that finish line. Um, and then we have others who are, you know, going to go try and podium at Landron this weekend. So it really is that kind of range. And, um, we actually have a great split of men to women, which is awesome. Um, I love working with more and more, uh, ladies who are getting into gravel and, um, but yeah, so I think it's, it's really just a big mix and you can use a lot of the same, you know, techniques, um, in terms of how to train for these events, but it really is like a specific, um, every athlete is so different that you're just creating, you know, the unique plan for them, whether they're, you know, whatever their goal is for the season.
0: So from the, I guess, physiological standpoint, uh, what would be, what do you, what is like the biggest misnomer or, you know, kind of like wrong, not wrong, but, you know, perhaps misguided idea that people have when they're coming into training for gravel events?
1: Yeah. Well, when you think about 200 miles, you're like, wow, I just need to have a steady pace and I need to be able to hold that pace the whole race. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of these gravel races have a lot of elevation, you know, and it's not these long sustained climbs. It's these really short kickers that are maybe a minute to two or five minutes um, long. And it you have there's no way to go easy up those hills. You are out of the saddle. You are in your, you know, your, your easiest gear. And you are just trying to get up that hill. And so, a lot of people, I've, you know, when they come to us and they show us what they've been doing for their training, they've been doing these super long rides or, you know, working on just kind of finding that steady grind. Um, And so, the first thing we do is try and get them to expand that range. So, we want them doing some higher intensity efforts, um, you know, whether that's prescribed time, f, timed efforts, or if it's just going out and like, charging up each hill when they come to it that kind of thing um but i think that's the biggest thing is that you're you're gonna have to go hard and if you don't train that you're gonna blow yourself up out at the race um so you have to work that that high end even if your overall speed isn't you know the average isn't that high
0: yeah i remember you saying that uh, when we were uh chatting at el manto and i guess i was curious by you know like by high intensity do you mean Like zone three, does it have to be like zone seven? (laughs) Uh, Is it a little bit different for for each of the athletes?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely different for every athlete. You know, there's always people who are just more natural sprinters versus, you know, um, diesels, that kind of thing. So you want to work, you know, your your weaknesses and and your strengths. But, um, I mean, in terms of – so zones, I guess, are tough because we use a a six-zone – type of training plan. So, um, you know, I'd say you want to be, um, training above your, your FTP, your threshold, um, you know, kind of what we always use as the standard, what you could hold for an hour kind of idea. Um, but we do a lot of VO2 max work. So like one to three minute efforts where you're, you're going pretty, pretty darn hard. It's not like an all out just sprint for that whole time, but you know, it's pretty tough to make it to the end of those one minute two minute efforts at your, your VO two max area. Um, so yeah, so I think kind of the sweet spot for, for that higher intensity stuff is doing, you know, one to five minute efforts, usually around that one to three minute, just kind of all out, but where you're doing hard, easy, hard, easy, really in in quick succession so that you're, you don't have a ton of time to recover, um, because you want to be able to hit those over and over and over again and not, just, you know, be crashed on the side of the road because you can't breathe. You want to be able to learn to teach your body to recover on those and then be able to take on the next hill that's coming at
0: you. So I know I personally like just pedaling for long periods of time and I hate like smashing it. Do you ever get pushback? Because I right gravel, I think appeals to people like me because it's not a road race or it's not a crit. It's just like put your head down and pedal hard. Do you ever get pushback from your athletes or a little bit of like, why am I doing this?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the main things we do is sit down and talk to them, you know, explain our philosophy, kind of what to expect before we even get started. So they, they know they're going to have that. Um, and, but there's certainly there's athletes who just prefer the the training and the riding that isn't that high intensity stuff. So we, we find different ways to work it in there. You know, some people don't love um, having the prescribed uh, plan for the day, you know, and they just don't want to hear one minute, two minute type things. And so we try and build some different variety into the, um, to the plans and and into their workouts so that it's more, you know, terrain based, or they can think of it in, in different ways. Um, Nick, you know, I coach, I've coached Nick for five years now, and he's one of those people. He, he, he can be, he's a great trainer. He's, he's a great, um, you know, he follows the plan to a T, but I think those intervals really fatigue him uh, mentally. And so there's quite a bit of time that where we're just like, OK, you're going to scrap this workout today and go and do, um, you know, just a just a ride. But go hit some hills and, and just charge up on when you feel like it. And he's still getting like basically, you know, a similar workout in, but it's not quite, um, you know, not quite as mind numbing for him, at least.
0: Actually, it's to a question. So you coach Nick. Do you coach yourself, or does he coach you? Um,
1: I coach myself. Yeah, I coach myself. I've worked um, for a really long time. So I, when I was racing triathlon and into my bike racing uh, life, I I worked with a company, Apex Coaching. Um, Neil Henderson. He's like a big time coach. Coaches a ton of the uh, European pros, like Rohan Dennis, and you know he's a he's a great coach. I learned under him. Um, and then i worked with a kind of a mentor, Grant Holicky, who he just actually started his own, um, coaching company. He moved away from Apex. Um, so he's, uh.
0: He's a cross dude, right? For, Grant. Forever,
1: yeah, forever endurance. Yeah, that's his coaching company. And okay. yeah, he, exactly. He's a, he's mostly a cross, cross specific coach. So he works with, you know, the, like Max Chance and Eric Brunner and Danny, my, my teammate, Danny Arman. So we have like this great, Kind of training crew, especially during the fall and and winter for cross season. Um, But I've been working with Grant, yeah, since my triathlon day, so over ten years. Um, And so, you know, he's somebody that I'll go to with, like, hey, I'm thinking about trying to change up, you know, how I do things this season. What do you think about this? Or, you know, like we'll bounce ideas off of each other, and, and that's been pretty special, just being able to have somebody that. You know, you can just go to, you you both understand the the philosophy. You know, we we coach similarly and um, can really benefit from having that relationship, which is great.
0: When you're talking to other coaches, do you ever get in like big philosophical discussion i've been looking into i was going to do a piece on like zone three sweet spot training mm-hmm. and yeah. i ended up going down this huge rabbit hole <laughs> you know yeah. learning uh, more and more about like polarized training and stuff do you guys ever get into like good philosophical discussions about stuff like that and does it do you ever kind of rethink your approach uh on yeah reading? actually
1: 100 percent. i mean i'm always listening you know one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is fast cat coaching um with frank overton and he is like 100 percent proponent of sweet spot training i think he coined the term sweet spot is if i remember correctly so um you know it's not really exactly the way that i you know looking at research and you know talking to some different physiologists that kind of thing it's not what i think is like the best way to train for gravel i think you know every coach has their own kind of philosophy or way and i and i think it works for certain athletes and other training plans work for other athletes but um but I think it's it's great to, to have those conversations and learn from each other. Um, Nick and I are experimenting on ourselves this season. We're doing a little bit more sweet spot training than we've ever done before um, just to see how are we recovering from it? How does, you know, how do our results work? You know, how do we feel after doing these workouts? And, you know, if we find something that actually seems to work for us, it's something that we'll then implement with our athletes. But um, which is kind of the cool thing about being your own, you know, being your own athlete and, or your own coach and uh getting to try things out on yourself and you know if i have a terrible gravel season it's oh well you know it's not that big of a deal um but i learned something from it that i can then take to my athletes and, and help them forward
0: so we should check back in uh before cross season to see how, things <laughs> <go>. <laughs> how the experiment yeah, exactly. goes
1: <laughs> right all riding on that <laughs>
0: Uh, Speaking of cross season, it seems like uh, more and more cyclocrossers are kind of using gravel, uh, you know, kind of as the thing to a thing to do uh, in the spring and summer. What benefits for cyclocrossers do you see from doing uh, more of a gravel approach of long rides and, you know, doing this mix of training that you're talking about?
1: Yeah. So, I I mean... It's kind of lines up perfectly because you get this long, like you're training for gravel. So you end up doing quite a bit of base riding, you know, and that's what we should all be doing in our off season, right? It's just like doing tons and tons of base riding um, or sweet spot riding, I guess, if you're in a different, um, you know, circle of coaching. But um, the great thing about, yeah, it just, it lines up really well with cross. So you can come in early season, just doing long, getting your your systems ready to go. Um, and then you are doing some of that high intensity stuff. It's not like you're just dieseling around the whole time. You have to do those higher um, intensity workouts, which are always great for cross. Um, Amanda Nauman, she, you know, obviously is a is a great cross racer. She's also a fan, phenomenal D, um, gravel rider. It was one DK and Land Run and all of these these big gravel races. And she always talks about for her, it's like doing two a gravel race is like doing two cross races back to back to start because you know a lot of these gravel races start out so fast if you're trying to make the front group and you're trying to you know get as far ahead as you can against your competitors especially in the women's field you're just hanging on you know you're in those front groups and you're just trying to get wheels and you're going harder than you think you should be going for how long this race is going to be and um and you're just you're you're redlining it for the first two hours of the race And, and then things start to settle down and you can kind of find that easier, you know, pace, that steady, that steady grind. But, um, but I think it's great training as long as you, you know, you're taking the rest and you're, you know, you're starting your cross specific training early enough in the summer. You don't, maybe don't want to be going like up to August doing, you know, gravel specific all the time. You need to, you know, start that transition a little bit earlier, but, um, but no, I think it's great in terms of just getting the volume, getting just a lot of miles in your legs, but also having some of that higher
0: intensity work. It's funny that you, you mentioned uh, the pacing, which is another question I had, but I remember at El Manzo, when we were, we were we were taking turns in the group, and I think towards the end, one of the other dudes was like, we should let the women race. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. And then you and Didi just started like attacking the shit out of each other, and I was like, <laughs> And they were like, oh, do you want to follow that? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm really good. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, I mean, that, Almanzo last year was my hands down my favorite gravel race for that one reason. Because there's, I mean, there's all kinds of controversy about the women's racing and gravel racing. Because we're all starting together. There's people who bring, you know, teams of men to come out and ride for them. There's, you know, there's all kinds of controversy out there. And so to line up at, at Almanzo, and, you know, the front three women, we were all riding in the same group. And as you say, like the dudes just let us race. It was it was awesome. Like we had a full on like head to head race where we were attacking each other and then countering those attacks. And and, you know, like some of the guys would just sit on the ladies, um, you know, as they are trying to to bridge across. But they weren't taking poles, which like to me, I was just. I got second, but I was just like, that was the best race. I like I would take that any day over winning, like with having, you know, not doing the work myself personally. So it's yeah, I I loved that race. And I hope that, you know, the more and more we talk about it, the more people will kind of let that that natural racing happen because yeah, it was pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, no, it was super fun to watch because at some point, I mean, we were hanging out the whole weekend because we were there for that event. I'm like, oh, like Kristen, we're hanging out. Like, yeah. I'm like, eh, I don't really think that's fair. Uh, yeah. It just didn't. It didn't seem fair. And then you guys were just like attacking and attacking. I'm like, I was dying. <laughs> it was super fun to watch. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too
1: yeah that um, was um that was a good one
0: but you know with the pacing at the beginning i'm guessing you get this with more of the people who are competing for podiums amanda nowman has talked about hanging with the ted king group mm-hmm, uh, yeah. and we've all you know any of us who have been to a gravel event sees knows what that pace is you know how do you advise your clients and is that do you talk about training for pacing that early start and you know when to pull off of it
1: hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is like the biggest question, right, is how deep can you go and still recover? And I think, honestly, you get that only from experience you're going out and it doesn't have to be a gravel race. But if you go out and do a group ride where it's just a little bit harder than, you know, you're used to doing, you start to learn, like, what are your signs of when you're about to crack? And I think you have to kind of hit that limit at some points where you do crack and then you end up riding home as slow, you know, without the group as Basically, just making it home, um, to, to find that so that you can kind of learn when is that time where you've, where you've crossed the line of no return. Um, and so, yeah, we work with every athlete. I mean, it just, as you say, it depends, um, whether they're trying to go for a podium or if they're trying to, you know, just finish. But we can all benefit from riding with groups that are a little bit faster than we are. You're going to get more draft. You're going to get more help rather than just being out on your own. So the longer you can stay in that group, it's, the, you know, the, the better you're going to be as long as you don't crack. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it's the hardest question. And it's something that, you know, we just always have to kind of flirt with that line sometimes um and sometimes we don't <laughs> come back from it and it's a long day out there but um but you have to get you have to give it a try sometimes it's, it's just about getting out there and doing it
0: i think for me covering gravel i think one of the biggest learning experiences was asking athletes kind of how races play out right we've all seen road races and you know gravel races in, in large part are kind of like this war of attrition almost Uh, and that seems like a big thing that you need to learn, uh, when you're starting, what are some of the other things, you know, that you and Nick teach people about that you might not expect when you're first doing a gravel race? Hmm.
1: Good question. Um, well, I think it just in terms of technique of riding on gravel, you know, you don't typically we don't really think about that. We're just like, Oh, I'm just going to go ride my bike on some gravel. But here in Colorado, uh, you know, our gravel, gravel quotes, um, roads are just packed dirt roads. And sometimes they can be really smooth. Sometimes they're a little washboardy, but it's nothing like the Midwest gravel that you experience. Um, and so if you get out there and you're kind of like, whoa, this is really different. You're going to be focused on that during the race versus, um, you know, trying to just eat and drink and take care of yourself. So we try and talk about, you know, talk our athletes through those differences, help them practice, you know, uh, drafting in on the gravel is really different because you're going to have, you know, if you have a side wind and you want to try an echelon, but then you're dealing with, you know, is there just one line in the gravel versus, you know, having a wide open road to just pick whatever spot you want to. Um, there's a lot of different little things there where it's maybe not the biggest difference. Um, you know, it's small things that you can do to kind of make yourself more efficient and, and faster. But over the course of, you know, hundred miles or 200 miles, it can go a long way, especially out there when it's super windy and, and you just need a little protection. Um, so yeah, I think just learning some of those techniques on gravel and what it feels like to to you know be a little out of control on gravel, but but be comfortable with that,
0: I think is a really important thing that every
1: all of us can be practicing, no matter how long we've been doing it.
0: We have a story that uh, coming soon. We're asking some coaches about training on limited time, and probably their biggest response was find a coach. Uh, <laughs> do you have any tips or tricks for your athletes who are super time crunch but do want to do these super duper long gravel mm-hmm. rides?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's most of our athletes, right? Everybody we're working with, all of us, we have jobs, you know, we're, we're working nine to five and it's hard to get out, especially in, this, in the winter. You know, there's a lot of our athletes who are training inside for most of this winter because they're living in Chicago or, you know, New York. And it's just like, oh, I can't even look outside my house right now. Um, and so I think it's about just trying to be most the most efficient you can with the training that you are able to do. Um, so that means, you know, having you know, having a coach or, you know, working with somebody who can help you look at your workouts and say, you know, what different zones or what different physiological systems are we stressing today? And how does that, you know, how is that benefiting my overall fitness? Um, I think there's a lot to be said about planning your workouts in a specific order. So like you're so that you're stressing one system one day and then, you know, go into a different one the next day. Um, that can make everything just a little bit more efficient so that you're not depending on just going out and riding for, you know, 20 hours a week every week. Most of us can't do that. Um, and then another thing is, is I like to do a couple of days where um, you like you earmark a, a weekend where you can just be like, this is my but training weekend, you know, family, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'll be around all the other weekends, but I need to focus on it this, for me this weekend. And you do like a three day block where you're doing some bigger rides back to back. Um, and I think that helps simulate that fatigue that you're going to feel on the second half of the race, um, more than just going out and doing like one big training ride during the weekend. Um, so I think that back to back training is also another key for, for people who just can't, you know, can't consistently get the big rides in all the time
0: so for yourself uh i I would you're an elite gravel rider uh in the u.s uh how much do you how much do you train during the winter and then moving into gravel season
1: yeah no i'm a terrible (laughs) i'm a terrible example especially this year i've been terrible um you know, I, I'm lucky I work from home. I have some freedom to go ride in the middle of the day. So luck in Colorado is, you know, a really nice place to live in the winter. We get some snowstorms and then you're able to ride, you know, the next week, that kind of thing. So I typically am riding outdoors most of the year and I, you know, I'm usually between eight to 12 hours per week of training, um, until we get into some spring where I'll get some longer rides in on the weekends and then that, um, that time will will go up. But, you know, I try and ride six days a week or so and with a couple of longer ones on the weekends. Um, but it depends. I travel a ton. So I get these like real highs and lows in my training where I'll, have a week of you know 15 hours and then the next week I won't ride my bike um so which isn't not ideal in any sense of the, of the training so um so I'm not a great example of that but trying to work on it and trying to get through this winter it's been a, a little bit rough here just in terms of I'm a super wimp with the cold apparently and we've had a cold winter so <laughs> time to get my button gear for for DKXL here soon.
0: Well, I feel you here in Wisconsin. It's been horrible. <laughs> yeah. We still can't yeah. ride outside. Uh, I have been on Zwift for six months now or whatever. It's horrible. Oh, <laughs> it is it,
1: like, and I feel bad complaining. I mean, here, cause I know like everybody is having a terrible winter and there, as you say, Wisconsin and Chicago, and New York, like there are some really bad winters going on out there. And I think, um, you know, everybody's struggling with that. So it's good to have those training tools. Um, a lot of our athletes use Zwift and, You know, we have a Wahoo um, kicker here in the house so we can get some, you know, just pretty, pretty good workouts done inside. And I think that's pretty important for for at least these early season gravel races. You know, if you're doing something in August, you're going to have plenty of time to to go out and get those training in when it gets warmer. But like, you know, Land Run is this weekend and you is coming up faster than we want it to. So uh, we really do need to be getting those workouts in now.
0: Has having tools like Zwift uh, changed the way you coach at all?
1: Yeah, I think so. And like, especially the Zwift races, um, I think those are, have been really helpful. It just keeps it more fun for people. And, um, you know, anything, anytime you can add a social element into training, whether that's going out with a group and doing workout together or doing it online together, um, I think is really helpful. And it just keeps people motivated where you're not, you know, just staring at a wall or watching a movie or something every single day, um, especially with these winters where we're we're not getting any any outdoor time. So, um, so yeah, I think those are great tools, and I'm glad all of our athletes have you know they found what works for them.
0: Can we ever find you smashing uh, yeah. in Swift races? <laughs>
1: I, I haven't gotten into Zwift. I, um, again, I'm, I'm super lucky and I get to ride outside most of the time and I, I definitely prefer to ride outside. Um, so I've, I've done Zwift a couple of times back when I was working at VeloNews. I did tested it out and did a couple of those and, um, but I need to, cause it sounds super fun. I just, I'm not, not very consistent inside yet. So I'll, I'll have to do that maybe this week and just try some things out.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you 100% want to be consistent <laughs> inside. I mean, if you can be yeah. consistently outside, I <laughs> right, think that's right. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, it is fun. I think like I don't know. I I think I plan on using it as cross season approaches. It's an excuse to just go hard for an hour, which I think can be really tough to replicate. Um, like you said, getting in yeah. that intensity. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So yeah, I think you know, I think group rides are a great way to train for gravel. Um. And I try and get my athletes to do, you know, some kind of,
0: you know, a group ride
1: or a mountain bike ride of some sort that's just a little bit different than, you know, their training every week. Um, and I think Zwift, you know, whether, yeah, if you're outside or in on Zwift, just having that, like, you're pushing a little bit harder than you want to. Or you just have to follow that attack when you don't want to, when your legs are hurting. And just, you wouldn't do that if you were just out riding on your own. So I think those really are really valuable tools.
0: So you do a lot of gravel yourself. Uh, what is the biggest thing that you've learned from your gravel experience that you've translated to your coaching?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, probably the like beyond the physiological stuff, I would say just the how to approach a race. And how to think through it in segments. And, and when it comes to pacing and being able to, you know, hang on to the group and when to, you know, let yourself fall off that group and, group and recover. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just the tactical side of it. Um, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to, um, to learn that without just going out and racing it. And so I would say, you know, we can, we can help our athletes and, and talk, to them, talk them through all of that. Um, so that they feel a little bit more prepared when they get to the race and they're not just like totally overwhelmed by all of that. Um, so yeah, I think definitely the, the, the nuts and bolts of racing versus just how to pedal your bike.
0: So you mentioned the DK uh, XL coming up this year, and I know I came across Ted King has a video series called The Grode to Kansas, of course, because <laughs> right, right. it's Ted King. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, his Grode is only 206 miles. Yours is 350, and my understanding is you you did it last year and had a very interesting experience.
1: I, um, I did not finish it last year. Yeah. (laughs) um,
0: But I heard it was crazy, uh, right? Like the rainstorm and.
1: It was, it was, it was awesome. Actually, I, it was incredible. And it's funny because when I pulled out, I said, don't ever let me say I'll do this again. So it's funny that now, of course, I'm saying how wonderful it was, right? Um, (laughs) like we always do. (laughs) But, um, no, it's cool. I mean, it was incredible. There was 30, I think 35 of us who got to do the inaugural, inaugural year of DKXL. Um, and it was just kind of this great group of people that we've been riding. Nick got to do it as well, my husband. And, um, and so, you know, we got to ride with a whole bunch of people that we've known for a long time and known through the gravel scene through, for a long time. So it was, is a cool experience. Um, the route was, was incredible. Riding through the night was, fantastic so we started at 4 p.m and then um rode you know through the night and then finished up everybody finished up you know later that eve the next evening and that was my first time you know doing any kind of overnight riding event you know I've never done 24-hour racing or anything like that so it was like this kind of new cool like we'll see how it goes and when you're out there and it's just so quiet I mean you're out in the middle of nowhere on these like just you know super desolate gravel roads and just hearing the animals and seeing their eyes pop up when you're you know from your lights and and hearing the the gravel beneath your tires it's pretty eerie but it's also just a really beautiful experience and um I really really loved the the middle of the night riding um until until I flatted at 3 a.m and then like was kind of groggy and was just totally struggling. I was <laughs> just trying to change a, change my flat and was just, you know, you your brain doesn't work very well at that point, so you're, like, fumbling around in the dark, and that was kind of the low point of my, my experience. But, um, but, no, I'm excited to get back and, uh, you know, just really take it on and, and uh, you know, try some different things and, and see what works this year.
0: It's funny that you mentioned not doing it again because I had multiple people like completely unsolicited after the DK 206 come up to me and be like, I'm never doing that again. I'm not going to name them, but I did look at the initial rider list and they're not on there. So I actually commend them for sticking to it and not up (laughs) But it was like like this this dead like looked me in the eye. I was like, I'm never doing that again. So, I mean, props <laughs> to you for signing up again.
1: Well, I have to finish it. I mean, that's the thing. I, I need to finish it. And then I will say on the record that if I finish this one this year, I think, you know, maybe I'll take a year off of, you know, doing those super long ones just to give the mind and the body a, a little bit of a rest and – at least this, the early season stuff, it's, it's tough to kind of be motivated at this point in time, especially coming off of a pretty intense cross season. Um, you know, I only took a couple of weeks really off of specific training and, you know, I think next year I'd like to take a little bit more time, get a little more skiing and, uh, some other winter sports in instead of being like focused on the bike straight away.
0: Yeah, no, you deserve it for sure. (laughs) Uh, I mean, and especially to ride 350 miles through the night, like you need to be pretty committed to, to sitting on yeah. your bike and, yeah, and all that right. fun stuff.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be good. Uh,
0: what else is on tap for you? Where else should we we look for you? What other events are you targeting this year?
1: I'm not, I'm keeping it pretty slim, actually. So, um, Colorado actually, there's this new um, there's this new group of races called Roll Massif, um, and so there's Two gravel races, I think. There's two in Colorado. There's one up um, in Winter Park, and then the other one is out on the west, uh, western slope, out towards um, Fruta or Grand Junction. And um, and so these sound really fun. They're a little bit more low key. They're more like a Granduro style, where you just have segments to race, and then you get to ride with your friends the rest of the time. Um, and I really love that kind of uh, event. You know, I I went to, I've been to Granduro I think three times, and it's an incredible event, um, and I would definitely recommend it to people um, who are looking for a little bit more fun in their gravel racing. So I'm going to do those um, those Colorado races, and then we have a new uh, race up in Steamboat as well. I think it's like 150 miles, um, Steamboat gravel. It's a big you know big time race. They're putting in a bunch of prize money for it, so they're they're going to get some good you know some fast people to come out to Colorado for that. So I'm excited to actually not have to travel too much this year. Um, Besides those and, and DK, I um, might go out to do La Grind if you've ever heard of that one. It's a three-day race in Emporia. Um, I have before, heard of that. It's, yeah. it's,
0: it's before DK, though, right? Isn't it in yeah, April or May?
1: Early, early May. Um, so it's something a little bit different, you know, just like with the stage racing side of it. So it would be cool. And then um, and then we'll wrap up the, the gravel season. I mean, I'll be kind of midway through cross season at this point, but I'm going to go out and do LaRuda. Um, mountain bike stage race um, in Costa Rica. So we're actually, Nick and I are working uh, with an, you know, incredible athlete that we've been working with for a couple of years now. He's um, starting this program where they're, they're working with um, veterans and taking them, taking a couple of veterans down to go to La Ruta as just this incredible experience. So we're going to go down with them. We're going to coach everybody and, And then go down together as a group and and race that race together. So I'm really excited for for that. That'll be completely different outside of my, you know, normal realm of of racing. Um, But it's always nice to kind of mix things up and and challenge yourself with something new.
0: Well, yeah, the way that you and Nick are going, sooner or later, you will have done pretty much everything. And, you know, you'll be be ready to coach, like, whatever event comes up, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll have to start our own event and come up with some new new stuff to have to learn and, and
0: coach for. I, that seems pretty inevitable at this point, I would
1: say. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I know Nick is definitely interested in, in doing some kind of event. We talked about doing some, something around here, um, especially because Colorado just doesn't um, hasn't tra- traditionally had that many, like, real gravel races or real, like, interesting gravel races for us. Um, and so we wanted to put something on. But now with Roll Massive coming along and the Steamboat one coming along, they kind of took care of our need for that. So... We'll have to think up something different uh, for the future. We'll see what what the next big trend in cycling turns out to be. And maybe jump on that.
0: <laughs> so to to finish up, uh, you've <laughs> done a number of events. Favorite gravel event?
1: Grindero, yeah. It was uh I the last year that I did it, I convinced my whole group of friends to go out. So we had you know ten or fifteen people from Colorado, and we just had the the best day on a bike basically I've ever had. So that's definitely my favorite.
0: And then number one event on your bucket list uh, that you haven't done yet.
1: Um, I want to get into a, a bit more bike packing actually. And I'm not sure if I'm into the racing side of bike packing more than, um, at least not the super long stuff. So like, I'm not interested in doing Tour divide yet. Um, but there's this one, I, I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to, send it to you. you can put it in the notes but um it's out in france and i think it's like a three-day bikepacking race that you can do through i think it's the pyrenees and um it just sounds an incredible incredible way to see the mountains and, and be out there kind of on your own and you know get to explore a little bit so some of those like shorter three-day bikepacking trips would be
0: pretty sweet to to dive into a bit more i noticed you said yet uh when you mentioned tour <laughs> divide
1: yeah. I don't know. I, yeah,
0: <laughs> you've seen I'm Nick, Nick do it sure. though, right? Like you've seen Nick. So yeah. you know, you know, what, what's in store.
1: I know. I feel like, I, I feel like I've done it, you know, because we, we work really closely together just on everything in terms of training, his planning, you know, he's making cue sheets and I'm, you know, I know exactly what the route is and what all the open stores are going to be, you know, like I don't have to even do that much work to go out there. Um I just for bike for, for bikepacking and, and racing to me the hard part is is that I want to stop and enjoy and really experience the places that I'm riding through. Um and so to race it you really have to have that mindset of, you know, get in and out of these towns as fast as you can and and, and you know, that isn't as interesting to me as maybe touring and, and Nick and I have done I think about a week on the Great Divide or the Tour Divide uh route up in montana together and it was it was an incredible week to spend together and and see all of the the towns and the you know the different uh dirt roads and trails that he he got to race on but I, i like the the stop and jump in the the lake kind of idea versus the you know convenience store meals way to do it but we'll see i don't know not never say never I'm sure I'll do it. I mean, at this point, you know, if if I'm saying maybe, then it means that at some point I'll probably do it. But it just might
0: be a ways off. And then final question, and this kind of ties into stopping and enjoying the flowers. What's uh, an event that – what's an underrated event or one people might not think of that's pretty awesome? Mm, um, good Good question.
1: You know, I think – I don't know if you could call Almanzo underrated, but it was – That race is, is maybe a little bit more low key than some of these bigger races. Um, and it's been around for ages. You know, Amonzo's been around for, I don't know how many years, but that race was just an incredible, like, grassroots kind of feel where you don't even pay an entry fee. You send in a postcard to, to sign up. Um, and it's, it really is just kind of a community feel. And so I think that one, Um, you know, especially if you're just getting into gravel, you're not so sure about it. You're a little nervous. Like that one would be a great one to go do and just have fun. There's no pressure. There's no podium that you stand on. You just, you just go and race, you know, or ride and, and you get to experience a lot of that Midwest gravel, which is so, so different and, and sweet.
0: So I think,
1: yeah, go, go do
0: Almanzo. Well, that warms my Midwest heart. So. Yeah. I, uh, I was trying to talk uh, Amanda Nauman into coming out for it because she was talking about, but, it, you know, it's not necessarily like a big name event. It's, it's, it's huge in the Midwest, but, you know, like you were saying, it doesn't have the prestige maybe of like a land run or a Belgian waffle.
1: So, yeah, so I think it's really important to have those
0: those more community
1: or like less competitive races going because you just, you need to have those, um, those opportunities for people to experience gravel without feeling super intimidated or feel like they, you know, they don't know if they can make it through it. There's, you know, it's a hundred miles, but it's also a pretty approachable hundred miles and it can be a little bit fast rolling. So, um, so it's a great entry point and, and also just a great way to go meet people and, and have some fun.
0: Well, cool. Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting discussion and something I'm very interested in following this year is kind of the future of gravel. Um, you know, Ted King called it the year of gravel already. Um, you know, but right. I think it's, you know, with the with the World Tour teams doing it yeah. and, you know, there's these big payouts at some races like the one in Steamboat, Steams, Steamboat Springs. So maybe when we check back in in the fall, we can chat more about that, figure out how your Zone 3 experiment goes.
1: Right. Um, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so to finish up, if folks want to learn more about uh, your coaching and what you do, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, so, yeah, we have a website. It's uh, RamblerRising.com and the, you spell it R-A-M-B-L-E-U-R Rising.com. Um, and so we have all of our info uh, coaching. Um, Nick writes reviews and does some different um, storytelling on that site as well. Um, and then I'm across all social media stuff. I'm KP Legan. Um, so reach out through that and yeah, we'll definitely, you know, we love to talk gravel. We love to talk cross coaching all of that stuff. So we're both huge bike nerds and love to, to meet other bike nerds out there. So happy to chat.
0: (laughs) Or in, uh, in Belgium, Legan, right? I told Nick. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Like for your, for your, for your more Eurocentric crowd, it's Legan.
1: Legan. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, actually, th- not this year. But last year, Tim Johnson was commentating the single speed race. And, you know, we're good friends with Tim and you know, have known him for years. And so he was making up all this stuff. He was calling me Kristen Legan. I'm the formal sing- former single speed champion of France. And, you know, I-, I came over here to, you know, clean up in the U.S. Yeah, it was so funny. So, um, so yeah, you know, Legan Legan, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat there.
0: Cool. So Rambler Rising, uh, KP uh, yeah, on
1: exactly. Instagram and Twitter.
0: Um, cool. Thank you so much for your time. It was super yeah, uh, interesting you. to chat with you. And uh, I know, I guess, the seeds for like chatting with you at Amanzo. I wanted to hear all the stuff you had to say, which was all very interesting. So I really appreciate your time.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me on. This has been super fun and looking forward to doing it more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll see you uh, at the start of the DKXL and then hopefully I'll see you at the finish. If,
1: yeah. yeah. Fingers <laughs> crossed.
0: <laughs> and you'll be nothing but smiles and, and butterflies and flowers, right?
1: Definitely. Of course. I'm sure I'll want to do it again right away, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, good luck with your training uh, and looking uh, forward so to seeing you in June.
1: Great. Thanks right. so much,
0: Zach. You betcha. Take care. thank you again to Kristen for taking the time to chat with me. I know I learned a lot from her and hopefully you did as well. Since it's officially gravel season now, you can find all of our gravel coverage at cxmagazine.com from now through hashtag crosses coming season. Music for this episode is from Loyalty Freak Music and thank you again for listening and hopefully everyone finds a good gravel road to put Legan's advice to good use this weekend.